Ashley, thank you for giving us that assignment. That was a really sweet way to do communion this morning. Very meaningful. And I wanted to make a comment about the song, It Is Well With My Soul, before we get started, because I think it's going to fit in with what we talk about this morning. And so a few months ago, I was driving, and the song, It Is Well, came on the radio, and I immediately snapped it off, because everything was not well with my soul. And I thought, God, I cannot sing this song And what God said to me that day was, it's okay that it's not well with your soul. That's what I'm here for. And so as we talk through adoring Jesus this morning, I just want you to know that. When we talk about adoring him, when we talk about celebrating him, that doesn't mean you have to feel like everything is right with the world. What it means is that our emotions and our thoughts lie to us when we're in those situations and tell us it is not well with our soul when the truth is it's not well with our circumstance. It's not well with what we're going through. But it is well with our soul because God is with us. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And that's what makes it well with our soul. And my name is Leslie Rowe. I'm on staff here at Denton North Church. And for the month of December, we're going to focus on Come, Let Us Adore Him. The appropriate response to the birth of Jesus Christ our Lord is adoration. And to adore um, just means to worship with profound reverence. It means to regard with the utmost esteem, affection, and love. To truly worship means to lose ourselves in the adoration of someone who's greater than we are. And so basically, to adore means that we put Jesus first, that he is the only one we have eyes for, that he is the only one that we worship He is our our only thought is to give glory to him. And we don't think of ourselves. We don't think of anyone else. But Christmas sometimes seems like the hardest time of all to do that. And as an alternative to focusing on everything that we have found that is wrong and messed up about this Christmas, the holiday... We want to take time to focus on reframing the way that we think about that and how we engage with Christmas. And we're going to do that by focusing on adoring him. I'm preaching today. Josh is going to preach next week. And then on the 18th, we're going to have a meal together at round tables like we did last week. And we're going to spend time adoring Christ together. And we're going to be preparing in these two sermons to be able to do that throughout the weeks and also on that day, and they're out forevermore. (laughs) So there are two things that you can bring that Sunday. The first one is something to share for breakfast. The second one is an item to donate to our daily bread. And we have a list of what their needs are, and we will be posting those on Mighty Networks as well as in the newsletter. So be watching out for that. 
Um, and so those are the two ways you can get ready for that Sunday practically. Bring something to share for breakfast and then an item to donate for our daily bread. There are some more expensive items on that list and some less expensive items. And so if you want to go together with some people to get an item or if you want to buy lesser expensive items, whatever you want to do is great. We just, excuse me, wanted to bless them that morning. I want to start with a warning about something dangerous as we talk about Jesus. It's called familiarity, and it tends to rob us of our wonder and awe. And this is how it works. Think back to 2020, those of you that were here and part of the Denton North Church. We went for over a year meeting on Zoom, uh, not being able to meet in person. And after we started meeting together again and things were a little more normal, like we could actually hug each other and, and things like that, after we started meeting together again, there was excitement to be together. We were so sick and tired of being stuck at our house with just ourselves or just a Zoom screen to look at, that there was an excitement of being together. There was an excitement to be able to sing again together. There was an excitement to be able to hug each other. There was an excitement to be able to take communion together, even though we did do that on Zoom. We did take communion on Zoom. Some interesting communions, but uh, we did do it. Um, and people stayed late, and they talked, and they spent as much time together as possible. And the atmosphere was celebratory, and we craved Sunday morning and small group time. But then week after week, it became less exciting Week after week, it became less important for us to be there. What's the big deal if we miss once or twice? Week after week, the atmosphere of celebration gave way to routine. What happened? It became familiar. It became something that we expected. What once made us go, wow, this is so good, began to be no big deal because familiarity robbed us of our wonder. And it's so dangerous when we talk about Jesus because what has captured the wonder of our hearts will control the way we live. What has captured the wonder of our hearts will control the way we live. So as we talk about Jesus' birth and second coming, as we've taken communion together this morning, as we meet together on Sundays and through the week in small groups and cores, let's fight against familiarity. Let's fight to maintain our wonder and awe for what God has given us. And so I want, to, I want you to keep that in mind as we talk through some very familiar things this morning. Think about darkness. Most of us have never experienced total darkness. Do you realize that? Most of us have never experienced total darkness. Darkness is the absence of light. And most of us, especially if we grew up in the DFW area, have never had an opportunity to be somewhere where there is no light at all. Getting out in the country on an overcast night with no stars and no moon is dark. A blackout where there's no electricity around anywhere close is dark, but it's not total darkness. 750 feet underground in Carlsbad Caverns 
you can experience complete darkness. You literally cannot see your hand in front of your face. You can wave it wildly. You can try to focus, but you cannot see your hand in front of your face because there is no light. And we cannot see if there is no light. Total darkness with no light at all is thick, it's suffocating, and it's scary. And so I want you to think about that darkness as we read these two scriptures. The first one is John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John 8, 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Guys, we see darkness all around us in the world. I have tried so hard to quit picking up my phone in the morning. Um, But at times, I still give in to that temptation. And it seems like every day, I read about another mass shooting It seems like every day there are stories of domestic violence and hate crimes and homelessness and food insecurity and abuse of children by people that should be protecting them and anxiety and depression and sexual addiction and drug addiction, sex trafficking. And the list goes on and on and on. Because of sin entering into the world, We live in a dark place. In the garden, the man and the woman communed face-to-face with God. Think about that for a minute. They communed face-to-face with God. They took walks with him in the beautiful garden he had created. And there was no conflict between humans. Imagine that. No conflict between humans. None. None at all. No conflict in marriage. None. It was perfect. Food and clean water were plentiful. Everything was as God intended it to be, and it was complete and perfect. Sorry, you guys. Um, I forgot to start my timer, so I got about 10 extra minutes there. (laughs) But then the serpent entered the picture and brought his lies with him. And where God created order, the serpent brought chaos. And what God called good, the serpent called a lie. Which is so ironic because Jesus called the serpent the father of lies. But he accused God of being the liar. Where God brought his light, the serpent brought darkness. And sin flooded the earth with deep, deep darkness. And you see that in Genesis. You see how we start in the garden. We see how sin entered how there was the murder between the brothers Cain and Abel, and it just gets worse and worse and worse.
So who could offer hope strong enough to overcome this darkness and pain? God. And he promised he would. Sin entered the garden and the world continues to suffer under the curse of that sin. But God gave us hope that life is not always going to be like that. The promised offspring that would be born and would crush the head of the serpent would be Emmanuel, God with us. So the people waited and they prayed and they hoped and the world got darker and darker and darker and they waited and they waited and they waited and at just the right time light came into the darkness and hope became reality and that was the birth of Christ in those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census would be taken of the entire Roman world This was the first census that took place while Quirinus was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. I'm sorry, I'm reading from Luke 2, 1 through 20. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available to them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. This is who they've been waiting for, who they've been praying for. This is the Savior. This is not Oh, look, Jesus was born in a manger. How sweet, how nice that he came to the world. No, Jesus came as king and God. He came as a man like us to save us from our own sin. It's a big deal. It's not just a little tiny deal. It's a big deal. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The light entered the darkness. The long wait for a Messiah was over. He was here 
and the angels sang, glory to God in the highest heaven. You know what? People sing. Young children sing. Old people sing. We kept um, Emily Mullings, for any of you that know her, when she was less than a year old, and she woke us up the next morning less than a year old, humming the ABCs. Children sing. People all throughout history sing. People from every country, from every ethnicity, people who speak every language sing. We sing about what makes us sad, happy, or angry. We sing about serious things like war and silly things like the day the squirrel went berserk in the first self-righteous church. We sing about love, death, injustice, poverty. We sing about our hopes and dreams. We sing about Jesus and heaven and our sins being forgiven. We sing about what's important to us. I want to read you a little bit of what Esau Macaulay says in his book, Reading While Black, because I think that it illustrates this thing about music and singing really well. My mother tried her best to immerse her children in the gospel. Most Sundays, there was no question where we would be. The Macaulays would be safely ensconced in our pew at Union Hill Primitive Baptist Church in Huntsville, Alabama, from 10 a.m. until the Spirit had finished his work. There was, however, always a chance that my mother would be too tired from working at the Chrysler factory to drag her four unruly children to the house of the Lord. To encourage this fatigue to do its work, we would stay in our rooms as quiet as church mice, hoping not to rouse her from her slumber. The signal that our plan had failed was the sound of Mahalia Jackson on the radio. Once Mahalia started in on Amazing Grace, the jig was up. Our home knew gospel music. In addition to Mahalia, we received a steady stream of Shirley Caesar telling us to hold her mule and James Cleveland reminding us that he didn't feel no ways tired. Gospel music filled our home and shaped our imaginations even when we rebelled against it. The second witness continually brought to bear upon the hopes and dreams of her four children was the large King James Bible that lived on a shelf in the living room. The king functioned more like a talisman than a book to be read. Whenever my mother wanted to wring the truth out of us, she would have us place our hands on the KJV and declare that what we had told her was the truth. Only the most brazen of sinners among us would dare speak falsehood in the presence of Mom, Jesus, and King James. We also watched Christian cartoons, Superbook, and went to midweek Bible studies and as many vacation Bible schools as we could manage. The scriptures were everywhere. But I was also a child of my environment. I was a southern black boy from Alabama in love with hip-hop. As soon as my mother pressed pause on Mahalia, I pressed play on Southern Hip Hop. Outcast, Goody Mob, and the bass coming out of Miami boomed in the Delta 88 that I drove to and from the schools and parties of Northwest Huntsville. That music also helped me interpret the world that seemed to have its foot on the neck of black and brown bodies in my city. Put simply, I knew the Lord and the culture both engaged in an endless battle for my affections. 
I loved hip-hop because sometimes it felt as if only the rappers truly understood what it was like to experience the heady mix of danger, drama, and temptation that marked black life in the South. They spoke of the drugs, the violence, the encounters with the police, and even God. They did not so much offer solutions as much as they reflected on the life force on them, of the life forced on them. But I also loved my mother's gospel music because it filled me with hope and it connected me to something old and immovable. Um, we're doing a book club on this book right now. And if you didn't get in on that and you would like to, it's not too late for you to start reading because we're not going to meet and discuss it until January. Um, I have found this book to be very helpful. And Esau Macaulay is now one of my favorite theologians. He makes um, theology very accessible in my mind. So I would encourage you to take a read. So the question is, what song has your heart? Because we tend to sing about what has captured our hearts. The song that had the angels' hearts was a song of praise and adoration for the hope of a Messiah that had finally been fulfilled. A Savior had been born, the answer to all of their prayers. The end of all their waiting. And out of the overflow of their hearts, a song of awe, wonder, praise, thankfulness, and worship began. In Revelation, the final book of the Bible, what do we hear the multitude who have gone on the, to heaven before us doing? We hear them singing praise to Jesus, just as the angels did on the night of his birth. Revelation 7, 9 through 12. After this, I looked. This is one of my favorite visions of what heaven and eternity are going to look like. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. The night that Jesus was born, the angels began singing a song that will never end. And we have written and sung songs about Jesus ever since. Songs of his birth, his death, his resurrection. Songs of hope and grace and mercy and salvation. And those who have gone before us sing songs about him. And we will join that great multitude and sing together one day. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. He came to fix this world that sin has broken. What better reason to sing? So switching gears a little bit, 
How many of you love to wait? You just really like to get in the longest line at the grocery store. You just really love sitting in traffic for two hours while they clear an accident. Or my personal favorite, you really like to wait in the waiting room for an hour before they put you in an exam room for another hour and a half before you actually see the doctor. Waiting doesn't come naturally for most of us. There may be a few weirdos out here that really do like to wait like that, but I am not one of them. We hate to wait. I hate to wait. And it seems like the more that I want something, the more I hate waiting because waiting is hard. But God's people waited for thousands of years for the coming of the Messiah. The birth of Jesus was the end of their waiting. The Messiah had come. A Savior had come. And part of what Advent is, if you don't know about Advent, Advent is kind of like Lent. Lent celebrates the resurrection of Jesus. Advent celebrates the birth of Jesus and then also the waiting that we are doing now for Jesus to return. Advent reminds us of God's faithfulness in bringing the Messiah as we wait for his return. Romans 8.22 tells us that all creation is groaning. And I don't mean groaning like, oh my gosh, this is so stupid. I mean groaning like, this is awful. When is this going to be fixed? And we get to see glimpses of God fixing things, but we're ready for it to all be fixed. We're ready to pick up our phone in the morning and read no bad news because there's no conflict between people anymore. No more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain, no more evil, no more sin. As we see the darkness around us and groan for God to make it right, How do we wait in a way that allows us to adore Jesus? There's a story in Luke chapter 2 about a man named Simeon and a woman named Anna who had been waiting to see the Messiah and that the Spirit had told that they would get to see him before they died. They were both pretty old. And when Simeon takes the child Jesus in his arms... He praises God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is the light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people. Anna had been living in the temple, and she had been fasting and praying since her husband had died after they had only been married seven years. She was 84 now, so she had been there quite a while. And it says she never left the temple but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. And she came along just as Simeon is walking along with Mary and Joseph. 
And she began praising God, and she talked about the child, the Messiah, to everyone who had been waiting for God to send his son to rescue Jerusalem. So I just want to give you a few quick things about how we can wait for the coming, the return of Jesus, in a way that shows we adore him. And I'm taking these things from specifically Simeon and Anna and what we see about them in Scripture. So the first one is, we know what Scripture says and we believe it. So they knew what that they knew that the Messiah was coming because God had promised it repeatedly over and over in Scripture. A Messiah, a Savior, was on the way. The enemy always tries to get us to doubt what God says in Scripture. But Simeon and Anna were unmoved. When the serpent said, did God really say? They said, yes, he did. And they put their faith in that. Number two, we come into God's presence and listen carefully, attentively to the Holy Spirit. In Scripture, we see the disciples being led and instructed by the Holy Spirit about what to do, where to go, what was coming up next. We see that especially in the book of Acts. So we believe, they believed that it came from the Spirit, not from their imagination. And we have to do the same thing. Just like Simeon and Anna, when we hear from the Spirit... We need to believe it's him and not just our imagination. And if we know scripture, then we can compare what we've been given from the Spirit to scripture to see if it lines up. Is it something the Spirit would say? Number three, we do not wait in despair but in hope, expecting that God will act. As we consider his humble entrance into the world as a baby, it inspires us to wait for the day he returns as a glorious king. So we wait not in despair, but in hope. And we use what we've seen about the coming of the Messiah to encourage us in that. Number four, we wait patiently, understanding that God wants everyone to be saved. This is 2 Peter 3, 8, and 9, and I'm going to read it out of the message. Don't overlook the obvious here, friends. With God, one day is as good as a thousand years, a thousand years as a day. God isn't late with his promise as some measure lateness. He is restraining himself on account of you, holding back the end because he doesn't want anyone lost. He's giving everyone space and time to change. We wait patiently knowing that God's waiting, his slowness, so to speak, is for as many as possible to be saved. And five, we wait confidently without giving up. As the years passed and the Messiah's arrival was not yet realized, the people became disillusioned. And we can read story after story of how they began to place their hope in other gods and even in themselves. But some of the Jews, like Simeon and Anna, rested for centuries in the promise of the Messiah. And may we, like those faithful ones, rest in the hope of his second coming. We wait, we trust, we hope. So just as a summary, 
We adore him because he is the light of the world, because he is our savior, because he is returning to finish his work. We adore him by keeping our sense of wonder, letting him capture our heart and singing to him, waiting for his return in a way that honors him. And then I added one to the end of this. I grew up in a church where we didn't celebrate Advent. That just wasn't a tradition that we observed. And in, in becoming um, older, I have found it super helpful in keeping my mind on Jesus and not on the holiday, if that makes sense. And so, uh, so did someone post Biola on our website or did I see that on one of the other churches? So Biola University puts out an Advent study every year that's online, and it has uh, scripture, it has reading, it has music, it has art, um, and it's uh, just very complete and, and gives you really neat things. So that's one way that you can celebrate Advent, but there are many other Advent um, studies that you can use for that. But just keeping your mind on Jesus and keeping your mind on adoring him. We've been talking about prayer in our small groups. We dissected the Lord's Prayer in our sermon series. And one of the things we're talking about in small group right now is using prayers that have been previously written by um, fathers in the faith um, or prayers that have been written currently by some of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so this prayer really resonated with me it was in my Advent study, and I want to pray this prayer right now. And then Josh is going to come do announcements, and then Kurt's going to close us out. Lord, as we enter Advent season, we hold in tension two realities, heartbreak and hope. We've seen the harshness of sin and evil, and it is too close for comfort. Yet we also believe that you are close. We remember that you have not left us alone, subject to the sinfulness of the world, but instead you sent us a Savior, Jesus. His first coming made a way for us to be forgiven of our sins, and we await his second coming when he will renew the earth and put an end to all sin and suffering. Yes, we see the brokenness all around us, but one day we will see only blessedness. Though our hearts are distressed, we have hope. And it is this belief that fuels us to trust in you. Help us to fix our gaze on you. Let our weary souls find rest in you as we wait in hope. Amen. Thank you, Leslie. Man, I have to follow that next week. So anyway, just sorry ahead of time, everyone. Um, we've got a few announcements, things that you can be involved in, things not to forget about in our community. The first is that the cohort and college of ministry interest meeting is happening today after church at Ryan Plush Hayes House, 1903 Misty Wood Lane. Um, go to that if you just want any bit of more information about either the college of ministry or the pastoral cohort. 
And if you really can't make it today, we've got some other ways to get you information, but that would be the best place to go. You can hear from our current pastoral cohorts about their experience. Um, and just to give you a little bit of context, uh, those are the two kind of ways to grow in your leadership in our community. Um, it, the pastoral cohort is kind of a mixture of learning in a classroom uh, from other ministers and pastors while also having a practicum kind of element of hands-on, um, and then the College of Ministry is specifically taking classes about either theology or application of ministry or whatever, and so those are two kind of halves of le- uh, leadership development in our in our church community. Um, if you want to learn more, you can attend that meeting, and also I think there might just be a QR code if you can't go. Yeah, that's right. So if you, if you use that QR code, it'll give you links to get more information about stuff if you can't make it today. So anyway, uh, don't miss that. Um, tonight is Spark. That is our 20s and 30s. Um, can you get the QR code? Do I need to move a little bit? Uh, good question. Do what? Uh, oh, uh, hmm? 1903 Misty Wood Lane. Oh, that's in the newsletter, yes. 1903 Misty Wood Lane is where the interest meeting is. Um, so back to Spark, okay? Our 20s and 30s hang is going to be happening at our Wiley Church. We're part of a family of churches, and each month the Spark hangout is going to be at a different church in our family of churches. So this month is at Wiley. Information is behind me there. It's at from 4 to 6, and then there's an after hangout. So this is for 20s and 30s folks in that time of transition that takes about 20 years or whatever uh, for us to become adults. Um, this is a chance for our family of churches. We've got a bunch of people in that stage of life to hang out and learn from each other, develop a community together as the future leaders of, of our family of churches. So uh, definitely don't miss that. The next thing is this very interesting event that the Martin Luther King Rec Center does called Breakfast with the Grinch. Um, it used to be Breakfast with Santa, and then, you know, what they realized, is like, Santa, play it out, dude. Totally play it out. The Grinch, that's, that's where it's at. But they did that for, I think, a year or two, and then this year, it's still called Breakfast with the Grinch, but they're bringing Santa back. So, yep, they're going to fight. <laughs> yes, yeah. So, this is a super cool event because it's just a chance for the kids in the community uh, to come, and one, they get to have breakfast, they get to hang out with either if they're a Grinch type of a fan of his work or they're a fan of Santa, they get to hang out with those characters, and uh, they just need volunteers. So what we're doing is, one, if you're a, a frequent attender of our monthly men's breakfast, we're combining those two things. So we're still doing breakfast. We're just going to add a Grinch and Santa and a bunch of kids. We're going to help put on this breakfast, but also it's open to anyone to come help. So the actual event starts at 10 a.m. They're going to need the volunteers to help set up and help flip pancakes and stuff like that at 8.30. So info's behind me here, um, and uh, we'd love to have your help. And if you come to the men's breakfast typically, but you skip out on this, we had already been telling you that this, that was the date for the men's breakfast, so you should have been putting it on your calendar. So now if you don't come, we'll know that you're a bad person. So <laughs> anyway, um, so that's a really cool way just to volunteer, get to hang out together and with the kids in the community. So um, don't, don't miss that opportunity. I just wanted to give you a reminder. We'll post more details, but two weeks from now, we'll be doing our meal at the round tables again together, and we'll also be bringing an item to donate to our daily bread. So we'll post details about that in the next newsletter and on Mighty Networks, but just keep that mentally in your head if you need to go put that in your calendar so that you remember two Sundays from now is a little different, then I would recommend you do that. And I also wanted to say, I think we forgot to for sure, for sure confirm this, but you know what, like about four or five weeks ago, whenever we all raised money to provide a meal for our daily bread while they were between their facilities, they still were 
providing meals for the homeless. We successfully reached that uh, amount of money and exceeded it. And so we donated that to them and they were able to continue feeding the homeless. And so thank you guys for doing that. And we want to continue helping them as they stock their new facility. That's why we're going to be bringing goods that we're donating two Sundays from now. So, um, yeah, be excited about that. And the last thing is our giving. You can give at DentonNorthChurch.com slash donate or also on Venmo. And this is so you can help. We give back to you guys. It's one of our highest priorities and also to the needs in our community here and the needs in our city. And we want to always be thinking about responding to whatever call God gives us for his kingdom in the future building up new leaders, raising up new leaders, planting new churches, et cetera. So those are priorities for us um, as giving and donation goes. And Kurt, you can come on up and close this in prayer. Uh, good morning. I've been back there wrestling with the kids, so uh, I may be a little hot and sweaty right now. So anyway, if I'm sweating, that's because why. But I'm a, my name is Kurt, if you don't know me. I'm one of the shepherds here. And I'm going to close this out with a prayer, but I just want to, I know you were talking about uh, come let us adore him, and uh, I just want to encourage you in that area. You just saw a list of, uh, just I caught the last end of the announcement, just some things that we can adore Christ in um, through the holiday season and in going to next year. And um, you have an opportunity this week to uh, adore Christ if you go to the MLK and go help out um, kids and cook breakfast and things like that. That's for anybody, and uh, I'm sure they will use you if, if you show up. Um, thank you for your gifts. You know, he just talked, and I know this will be redundant, but uh, he just talked about thank you for giving to uh, our daily bread and, and serving some meals out there during the holiday season, and I know next month we're going to be talking about that, and you'll be hearing some of this information from your focus leaders and from your small group leaders and all that. We're going to be talking about how you can help with our daily bread a little bit more, getting a little bit more involved. They're getting ready to open up a new facility out there, uh, out on 288 in a couple of weeks, and you're going to have more opportunities for you to serve. So I just want to encourage you in that, in that we're going to have opportunities to adore our Christ and Savior through serving in our community moving forward. So I just want you to be thinking about that, praying about that, ways that you personally can help um, with that, um, with those activities moving forward. Let's pray. God, I just want to um, thank you. Thank you for loving us, uh, Lord. We are guilty of not adoring you sometimes, and we're sorry. And um, Lord, we, we do want to adore you. We want to be thoughtful of you, and we want to be thoughtful of others. Lord, you told us to love you with all your heart and love others as ourselves. Those are the two great commandments, Lord. We need to get those two. We need to do better with those two and help us in adoring you and adoring others and helping others as we move forward. just want to pray for our college students as they finish up this week and get ready for finals. Um, just uh, pray for them, and, and Lord, I just pray that they will finish strong. Um, I just want to lift up anyone in our community that's uh, looking for jobs and uh, for our parents and parents-to-be, uh, for people in our community that are they're dealing with things like anxiety and depression and mental things, Lord, that, that affect us uh, and just really inhibit us in um, our lives, Lord. And I just lift... Uh, those individuals to you, Lord, you know who they are, and we love them. We're, we thank you for putting them part of our community. Help us to be thoughtful and um, look for ways that we can help each other and encourage each other. 
In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.